0: Well, welcome everybody that is here. Uh, I don't know who all is here, but uh, anyway, praise the Lord, technology is enough to drive you nuts. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, if you could just let uh, Julie know via text message or anything about any prayer requests or prayer updates or anything that uh, uh, you might want to remind us of. I do know that uh, what's her name? Uh, Stacy, Stacy Vallejo is having some pregnancy problems. And so we want to be in prayer for her. Um, and then of course we have, uh, Joyce Slay Hoover's daughter, uh, dealing Jill dealing with cancer. Um, and uh, that's a difficult situation for her. Uh, Sharon Bolkin, uh, myself, um, and, uh, uh, Bud Crust, will be praying for him, and uh, I think that's about everybody that I can think of at the moment, um, but uh, just be in prayer for them, keep, uh, keep keep, them, you know, just be reminded. Before we get into prayer, though, uh, we'll be, uh, I just want to touch base on the emails that were sent out this week regarding uh, going, uh, opening the church up next Sunday, May 10th, so Does anybody have any questions about the emails that you received from me and from Brian? Uh, Hopefully there was enough to explain everything. I know that there's still some things that are fluid and changing. But the plan is to go uh, live as much as possible uh, in the building physically. Uh, Pastor Brian is going to do a a live stream walkthrough, I believe, on Saturday, I think, uh, next weekend and kind of give everybody a bird's eye view of how things are gonna be set up and what you can expect when you come in. But basically, um, uh, we have a, uh, a medical team uh, uh, organized to screen everybody before they come in the building. So if you've, if you've been screened, you know what this is like. Basically, they'll swipe your forehead with a, th- with a thermometer, make sure your temperature is good. Uh, they will ask you a few questions this is the questions that I typically get, get asked when I go to the hospital. Have you been in contact with anybody that has the, has the flu or the, the coronavirus? Uh, how, are you having any difficulty breathing? Um, things like that. And uh, if, if, if all of that checks out, then you are allowed to you know, enter into the building. I know I shouldn't probably use the word allow, but um, uh, this is something that uh, we do feel is necessary to protect everybody uh if somebody does have a positive response like 100.8 temperature or i think 100.5 is the is the threshold but if your temperature is 100.8 101 whatever we're going to ask you to um uh go to the hospital and and get further treatment but we probably we won't not be able to allow you in the building and include your family as well uh, that's the negative. So outside of it, uh, once you get inside, the ushers will take you to a place to seat. There'll be there's 115 chairs, I think, in the auditorium, scattered about the room, uh, in distances f- six to ten foot distances apart. Each little grouping of chairs, uh, so that would be a family. I don't know how many chairs are in each group, but hopefully there's enough for if your family is ten then you'll be sitting together with 10. If your family is one, you'll you'll get the whole group, and nobody else will be able to join you uh, there um, because of the social distancing. Um, But once we fill up the auditorium, then we will go to overflow, and two overflow rooms are the common grounds room, which will have a TV running in there, and we'll have a signal coming from the AV booth, and the Berean class, same way. Uh, so we hope to be able to get everybody in the building at 9 o'clock. That's the first service. And then at 1030 is the second service. So when Brian ends the first service, then we need to wipe everything down. And Jim Boyette will give direction as best he can on wiping everything down with the disinfectant that we've been using for years in the church. Uh, that disinfectant is the appropriate disinfectant for the um, uh the same disinfectant that is being used all over the place to uh, disinfect for the coronavirus just happened to have the same type of uh, material. Um, And, uh, and so that's going on. Let's see if there's another stuff here. Uh, We Brian, Pastor Brian is going to have a next steps meeting in, in June. So if you know anybody that, that is looking to find out what their next step is about joining HBF or whatever they need to do, they should go to the meeting. The date's not set right now, but we'll have that out next week. Uh, If you know somebody that's been been saved or wants to get discipled uh, as a result of everything that's been going on, um, have them sign up on the website and register to be discipled. Church in the Park. That's always in June, the first Sunday in June. We are going to try to do that, depending on what the city allows us to do. So we are going to try to have church in the park. one positive thing is that Brian has said that there, as to his knowledge, no nobody at HBF has, has been has contracted the COVID virus, and had to be hospitalized. So so we are zero, sicknesses, which is praise the Lord for that. God has protected our body. Um, we don't know if anybody's been asymptomatic, but it, as far as we can tell, nobody has been sick, which is that's a really good thing um summer activities just want to remind everybody we will be doing vbs uh don't know exactly what the date is going to be uh, if it's going to change that's also in june if it was scheduled in june so be be on the lookout for your you're being asked to help in some way because uh, we need about 50 to 60 adults uh to help with uh vbs the uh uh High school camp is still on, fun in the sun. We're going to try to re-implement that um, and uh, get that going again for the children. And then uh, the comfort care ministry has been fruitful. Um, I don't think anybody's necessarily gotten saved, but we've had plenty of opportunity to pray with people and to uh, give them food. They've come to the church, to the front door of the church, and uh, Pat, uh, Pat Lee and his team have been able to take care of that. Um, so that's been a blessing as well. So, okay. We don't have a plan to keep a log of attendance. Um, that's, that is, um, whatever the mayor of Kansas city's name is. I never can remember his name, but the mayor of Kansas city's 10, 10, 10 program or his, his rollout plan is to anybody that's going to be in a location 10 minutes or longer Uh, he wants their names. We're not going to follow that rule. That rule is not in Cass County and it is not part of the state of Missouri. We are following the state of Missouri's and the governor's uh, rollout plan and he does not want us to keep track of that and nor would we do that anyway. Um, That's something that we would uh, push back against um, because we don't know what they would be doing with those names. So um, we have no intention of of recording who's there other than maybe taking attendance um, like a normal attendance, but we're not giving names to anybody. Um, so uh, that's a good question. Thanks for asking that. Anything else? Okay. Um, so our goal is to get the church open and it is a, it's a three-stage process. So stage one is this Sunday, the 10th. Stage two, we're going to try to... Um, Reimplement uh, work uh, teaching in the children's ministry. And stage three is just full blown. Everything is back to normal. Uh, they may not happen in three consecutive weeks, but that's the stages. And I think Pastor Brian sent out an email that laid those out a little bit more detail than my email did. But uh, hopefully, if you have any questions about anything, you can, see, you can either call me or text me or something, and I'll try to answer those questions as best I can as well. One thing I would like to encourage you, please just just follow whatever the ushers and the security team instruct that's just because they know what they know where they're putting people and they know the counts and they know what chairs are available and things like that we want our families to be able to be together but at the same time we want uh, we have to control egress and exiting out of the building so how to get in the building front door like normal how to get out of the building we may send some people out the side doors uh, that's just just because we can't congregate as many people one last thing um we when we used to do two services in the the bible fellowships like the real life class would go to the first service and then go to class during the second service so that's what's going to happen this time so if you're in the real life class you can go to any service but it's not a requirement but uh just for the sake of kind of balance things out if you're in the real life class if you could go to the nine o'clock service um, and then uh, 6 o'clock in the evening, Sunday evening, I will be teaching just like I'm doing now. Uh, in fact, all of the ABS will be teaching uh, at 6 o'clock uh, for the next couple of weeks. So the question really was, will you notify those, if somebody is exposed to it, will you notify those in attendance, in exposure during that, that service? Um, that's a good question as well. Uh, the only thing that would that we would the only way we would know if somebody's is contagious would be if we screened them before they came in the building. But if if we screened them and they they are they seem to be positive, we wouldn't let them in the building to begin with. But if, if somebody comes down with the question is if somebody comes down with it, they're in the service and they don't know they have it at the moment, but they're in the service and then they find out later. Will there be some kind of notification process to those that were in the same service? The okay, um, I would say yes. We will notify people. Uh, we'll notify the church body, but since we're not taking attendance for the main for either services, we won't be able to notify that detail. But we will notify the church body. Um, as and as I said, at the moment, nobody. We are not aware of anybody that's a member of HBF that has been um, infected. Um, but, yeah, we would let people know the best we can, and hopefully everything will be okay from there. Okay, anything else? Okay. Um, let's turn over to the book of Mark, the, the gospel of Mark. I just want to read the first 15 verses of chapter 1, uh, and then we'll pray, and uh, uh, then after that we'll get into the into the lesson. But, um, so... Uh, Mark chapter 1 starting in verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, and there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they were of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after that John was put in prison Jesus came unto Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So, uh, let's pray. I'll I'll start with prayer, and then I'll pause for a couple minutes and let you pray uh, for our needs and everything, for the class and all that, and, uh, and then we'll get into the lesson. So, Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for this passage of Scripture, as it parallels many of the things that we're going to see in the in our study in the book of Philippians, Lord, about preaching the gospel and about preparing the gospel and being ready to, to uh, share the gospel with other people. Uh, Lord, sometimes it is like us crying in the wilderness and um, declaring Christ as Savior. And, uh, and so we seem to parallel some of uh, John the Baptist here as well uh, with what we're going to be studying. So I pray, Father, for each one of us that we would have a heart desire to share the gospel with people. Uh, that we have opportunities with the Lord, whatever the circumstances that we may find ourselves in, uh, Lord, that we're able to do that and that we're able to, uh, declare, as it says in verse seven, that there cometh one mightier than I after me. And, uh, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so, uh, we ask, Father, for your wisdom and for your guidance and your direction. We ask for your, your, uh, uh, your empowerment from the Holy Spirit that we would be able to speak the word um, with much, uh, boldness and that, uh, our speaking of the word would have an impact on, on, um, uh, those that we are talking to. And we just praise you and thank you for it in Jesus name. Father in heaven, Lord, as I conclude in prayer, I don't know if some some of the others in our class may still be praying. I hate to overstep them, but just want to remind myself, Father, to, to pray for Jill Slayhuber and uh, uh, Bud Crust, uh, the Balkans, uh, the uh, the Steels, and um, and Wayne, uh, the Arnie family. And uh, and and just, there's so many others, Lord, I know that I'm, I'm not remembering everybody to, to mention. Stacy Vallejo, her situation and her pregnancy. I'm going to praise you for uh, the the Barnes, uh, Holly and uh, Brady Barnes. Their, their two twins are still in the hospital. They're determined to be a little bit premature, so they'll be in the hospital for a week. So we pray for them, Lord, that you would just protect them as they're in there and keep them safe from... Uh, anything that might might create a problem, yeah, but we do praise you for all that went on in their birth in the in the uh, in that process, and so we just thank you and praise you for everything you do. We ask you uh, to just to uh, speak to us today through the Book of Philippians in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, okay, so we're in Chapter One still. We uh, we're moving pretty slow through Chapter One, but that's okay. Uh, Paul writes this letter. Um, pardon. Philippians. Julie wants me to preach out of a book of Ephesians, so turn to Ephesians no, 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 no. and we'll make it up. No, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, Philippians, um, where, where, where we're at. So Paul wrote the letter to to the church at, Philippians, at Philippi. Philippi. Um, He's really trying to encourage the saints there. Uh, <clears throat> And we need encouragement all the time as well. I mean, in this face of uh, situations like this, we do need uh, to be uh, encouraged. So he's encouraging the, the saints at Philippi to stay the course and to, uh, to continue to remain focused on, just like what we read in, Ma- in Mark chapter 1, to stay focused on the gospel and to be directed by the gospel. And so the theme of our study, is we, as we've talked about a couple of weeks now, Uh, is found in chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. So let me just read those as a reminder. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. It says, But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. I just love that phrase, the furtherance of the gospel. It's such a powerful statement. And there's so much embedded in that, the, the furtherance of the gospel. How far can we take the gospel? Uh, John the Baptist wanted to take the gospel as far as he could possibly take it, something that we should do, uh, desire as well. Anyway, it goes on and it says um, in verse 13, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so um, that's the the theme, but it gives us some some idea of what Paul is trying to say here because uh, most of the attention uh, in this letter is focused on the idea that this letter is about joy. When most people talk about the book of Philippians, they talk, and he, joy is used many times throughout all four chapters, the concept of joy, being rejoicing, and so on and so forth. Uh, and that's, that's a true statement. Uh, and while that is a good theme, this letter is more about motivation and encouragement to engage. The more theological theme that I would say then is, and I think you have a blank if you're able to, print off the handout, but the, this letter is about encouragement to engage in actions that further the gospel. And, and I think that kind of captures the whole idea of what we're trying to learn from the book of Philippians and what we as believers should do to engage in actions that further the gospel. We should be encouraged out of the book of Philippians to do that. We should encourage each other to do that. So that's our theme of study, which is really the title of our study, to further the gospel. And, uh, and so it was Paul's lifelong desire, uh, and it ought to be the lifelong desire of every believer, uh, and the intent to live for the furtherance of the gospel. So what does what our life look like? Uh, too many times our life is, yeah, I'm a Christian uh, nominally. You know, some people might even tack that word on there, nominally. I'm a nominal Christian means a, I'm not much of a Christian. Um, and uh, and so uh, Paul, Paul wanted everybody to be an engaged Christian, and so... Uh, it was his lifelong desire that every Christian's desire and intent would be to live for the furtherance of the gospel. And so he intended to inter- encourage this church uh, to continue what he had witnessed them doing already. So this letter is an encouragement to the saints. So he's just basically taking their their behavior. This church is a model for us. It's a great model for us, the things that they're doing, that we can pull out of here Sometimes just a little phrase here and there in a verse that it reminds us what we should be doing. And so um, uh, through his, his words, this letter should be an encouragement to us as well, because we should be a mirror of what this church looks like. So Heartland Baptist Fellowship should look like the church at Philippi. Uh, and so this church was a model. They had little error. There was nothing that Paul had to correct in them, not like the, the book of uh, G- uh, Galatians or Corinthians uh, where they they just needed to be corrected over and over again, so we know that many of those churches that Paul wrote, they were in sin, uh, they were they were they were not in sanctification, um, and so he had to deal with them. Philippi, Philippi had nothing like that, so uh, so the outline of this I just want to touch. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the outline of the of the book again, but each of the four chapters put a focus on Christ put a focus on Christ, and ultimately on the gospel, which can be seen in key verses. Last week I described those four verses as a tool. Uh, The key part of the verse became a tool for you and me to be the person that God wants us to be. Uh, I described those four verses as a tool, uh, and then um, so I just kind of want to briefly mention them again. Um, Chapter 1, which is what we're focusing on right now, is about having the confidence in Christ... That we can further the gospel, he said in Philippians chapter one verse six, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. so what will it take in your life what is it what is it going to take to give you the confidence in Christ to be able to further his message what 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 do you need I mean some people some people just don't have the confidence and they don't know how to get the confidence they don't know how to they don't know how to encourage themselves in confidence. Um so so what is it going to take for you to be confident to to do what needs to be done uh to be able to further the message of the gospel what prevents us from having a strong confidence in the work of Christ in our life uh we know that Christ is the, is the savior we know that he died on the cross for our, for our sin we know that Christ uh after 3 days he res- resurrected out of the tomb and he is seated In heavenly places right now, according to Ephesians, just like we would be uh, if we're saved, and we are, if we're saved, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So what's it going to take for us to have the confidence in the work of Christ uh, to be able to declare that message to other people? So having confidence in the work that Christ began in you and will perform till his return, that ought to be a big motivation to get the gospel out. The fact that you're saved ought to motivate you to tell other people to get saved. And that's kind of what we tell people, right? When we first, when they first get saved, you know, and we're, t- we're trying to teach them how to witness. And they like, I don't know, I don't know anything about the Bible. I can't tell people about the Bible. Well, you can tell people your testimony. You can tell them how, how you got saved. So there's four tools, uh, real quick to just mention them real fast. Chapter one is confidence in Christ. Chapter two is the mind of Christ. Chapter three is the ensample of Christ. And chapter four is to be kept by Christ all work in unison that helps us to fulfill the theme. So uh, last uh, last week, we, uh, we began uh, a dive into chapter 2, or I'm sorry, chapter 1. In verses 3 to 5, we talked about Paul's describing the fellowship that motivates a church body. One of the reasons that everybody is wanting to be able to get back to church and wanting to be able to be physically in proximity to each other is because of fellowship. Our church is a church of fellowship. We love to hug, shake hands, pat each other on the back. Some of that you'll get to do, some of it you won't yet, but we are moving in a direction to be able to reestablish the fellowship that this church this church is driven on fellowship. We work together in fellowship. We minister together in fellowship. We serve together in fellowship. We worship together in fellowship. And so that's an important aspect. So Paul talked about fellowship that motivates a church. And in verses 6 to 8, We talk about Paul's confidence in an unstoppable work and the need for the believer to work in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. We talked about defending the gospel, and I know that there's people out there that like to say, the gospel needs no defense, the Bible needs no defense. Yes, that's true, but we are also instructed by Peter uh, to be able to give an answer of the hope that lies within us, and that giving an answer is is a defense, and uh, the word is called apologetic. But we talked about that last week, and in verses nine to eleven, Paul expresses love for the church. And then now our study, we're going to look at verses twelve through twenty today, as we learn to be motivated in the preaching of the gospel. How are we? How are we to be motivated? Um, and so, Paul, um, let me see here. Look, put my notes away before I was done with them. Okay, so let's read. Let's start. Let's read verse. Uh, 12 We'll read read all the way down through verse 20. Paul writes, But I I would that you understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice? For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And so Paul is now talking about his, this whole thing is about motivated preaching. So he he intends for all of us to be preachers of the gospel. He intends for all of us to preach the gospel. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, preaching like up on the pulpit and you know taking Brian's place. Although why couldn't you? Why why couldn't every every believer? be in a position where they're declaring that. When we go on mission trips, that's one of the things that we want to see people do, is preach in some way in a church, on a street, wherever, uh, to be able to share the gospel. And so so he talks about in verses 12 and 13, uh, what I call bonds in Christ that further the gospel. Bonds in Christ that further the gospel. There's very few of us who find profit being in bonds. Uh, when he's talking about this, unless we're talking about your financial investments and having stocks and bonds, uh, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about bonds in that sense here. His bonds were much more literal because he was literally chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, seven days a week during his time from when he departed uh, Caesarea uh, after dealing with Festus and, and uh, uh, all of that. Um, can't remember the other guy's name. Felix. And uh, and then he was transferred uh, via ship uh, to Rome, but he was chained, literally chained to another to a soldier. That's the bonds that he's talking about. That's one of the bonds that he's talking about here. And so um, his bonds were literal in that sense. Uh, you can read about that uh, in Acts chapter twenty-five uh, when he uh, wanted to, when he made the petition to go to Rome in Acts chapter 28, when he got to Rome. But he's constantly chained to a Roman soldier, probably the captain of the guard, although the captain of the guard may have not been the one that wanted to be hooked up all the time. But it's just an amazing thing. Um, Once he was in Rome, he was permitted to occupy a house by himself in what we would call house arrest. Uh, But according to Acts chapter 28, verse 16, he was still accompanied by a soldier. So he was always he was always under observation. Now he was not in a dungeon uh, as as he had been in times past, but he was not fully at liberty either, and this was a severe mode of confinement. So think about it. Think about yourself. What would it be like to be chained night and day to someone who was able to observe every necessity, every necessary action you needed to take? I mean, just think about that. What? The implications are you can't go you have no privacy. You have no uh you, you can't get away from the guy. He's he's there. I don't know how long the chain was, but it was it was short enough that he couldn't get away. Um, and so uh you know he's chained night and day to somebody, and every necessary action that you needed to take is observing. There's no social distancing at all in this situation. And so um who would wish to have such a man always with you i mean think about that that's a that's a huge that's a, that's a, that's just a burden that, that nobody would want um and so uh you know this person would hear every thought uh every time you grumbled every time you uh you know had some you know you're trying to eat you're trying to sleep you're trying to take a nap you're trying to have a conversation with somebody This person is hearing everything that you're saying. uh, And he sees everything that you do or need to do. He sees it all. Uh, And so who could well bear the feeling that you're never to be alone and never at liberty to do anything without permission of the one uh, who may not want to give you the permission to do what you want to do? It's a significant part of Paul's testimony. this this him being in bonds. Uh, it's It's very significant right now. And it's an encouragement to the church as well. Uh, and how people respond to his bonds is an encouragement to him, to to Paul as well. So uh, he mentions four times in four verses in chapter 1. He mentions his bonds. And it's really interesting how he does that. So in verse 7, uh, just took a look at verse 7 for just a moment, Philippians chapter 1 verse 7. He says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. So Paul's first thing, he says, is his bond linked him to the saints. The bond that he's, his bond, So his, he he was passionate about having these, these bonds, uh, not just to chain it up to a Roman soldier, but he wanted to be bonded to you and to me, uh, to the church. He wanted to be bonded together. So the Paul's bond linked him to the saints. In verse 13, he says, So my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So his bonds there are all the... Dis- that was everything that people talked about. His, so his discussion. So his bonds are all the discussion in the palace. And when you think about what's going on here, so this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, who's a Roman citizen... And everybody knows by now he's a Roman citizen because of why he's in Rome. Uh, They're discussing. Did you know what Paul did today? So there's this conversation that takes place among the people, and they're discussing what's happening with bond. And that bond links Paul to the people because his message is going to go forth. And then in verse 14, he says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So in verse fourteen, his bonds give people confidence, which is that's the theme of the passage here. This chapter is having the confidence that we need. So his bonds give people confidence. So who do you take confidence from? Who do you take? Who do you take? Uh, what's going on in somebody's life, and you take them and say, "This is important to me because of what's happening to them." And then in verse sixteen. He says, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. And so in verse 16, his bonds are a target of the enemy. Uh, But their failure to add affliction is countered in that it added to the defense of the gospel. So, and I'll explain a little bit more about what I mean by that in here in just a moment. And so um, it needs to be the same for us as the saints in the church at Philippi that desires to further the gospel. So what are we bound to? What are we bonded to? to? Do we are we bonded to uh, somebody whose testimony is is so encouraging that we just want to we just want to do right things because of that person's testimony? Um, uh, are we are we uh, are are we talked about all the time? You know, maybe in your workplace, the people discuss. Well, you know, he's just a Christian or she's just a Christian, and, and they're always talking about the gospel. You know, is is that the kind of conversation that's happening? Or they say, yeah, they say they're a Christian, but they certainly don't act like a Christian. Which one is it? Because we want to have the right kind of testimony? And so, um, so what are we bound to? Do we use the bond to enhance the gospel, or do we seek to be freed from the chain that binds us to something uncomfortable? Would we rather be easygoing Christians or sometimes be under bondage so that the gospel would go forth? Uh, when you think about persecuted Christians in many countries today, uh, whether it's in the Middle East, uh, the Far the Orient, uh, you know, um, uh, any any place uh, where persecution of a believer is common, that's the that's bondage. Uh, some people thrive in that situation, uh, knowing that they may die, but they thrive in it because they can share the gospel much easier because of their bonds. And so, most likely, Paul, I think, uh, as I'm studying this out, I think that his bondage that he's talking about here is referring to the bond of imprisonment. And I think that would make sense, uh, the bond of imprisonment. So, you know, I mean, he's in Rome, and he's there to speak to Caesar, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, he's there to talk to Caesar, to appeal to Caesar for his for the ruling that has been over his head for two years already or more and that's because of the the boat ride that he took. And so uh, Paul's imprisonment was the means of introducing the knowledge of the gospel to many who were not likely ever to hear of it in any other way. So what I mean by that is, let me restate that. Paul's imprisonment was the means of introducing the knowledge of the gospel to people around Rome who had never heard of the gospel, never knew of Jesus Christ, it's like well, why is this guy Paul here? Oh well, he has this—he has this belief in a man named Jesus Christ who resurrected from the dead. Oh, I've never heard of the resurrection of the dead. Tell me more about it. And so, so his his imprisonment introduces the knowledge of the gospel to the residents of Rome, and uh, and I think that's a powerful thing. When we plant a church someplace, one of the things that we want to do is plant a church uh, in an area where the gospel would go forth boldly and uh, and so that's what's happening here at this church uh, that's what that's what Paul is doing and so uh, his bonds have become a manifestation of Christ um, and so to manifest Christ is to cause Christ to shine forth as a result of your bonds in Christ and so that's an important thing as well. so it has it it, it has become known that Paul was as he's there, uh, it's become known that Paul was imprisoned in Rome because he was allowed. Now, people he, he under house arrest. He was allowed to have guests. He could conduct teaching and preaching. So his presence began to be known. So he actually invited some of the leaders. I think in at the end of Acts chapter twenty-eight, he invited some of the uh, believing leaders to. Uh, actually, I think they were. Let me just go to Acts chapter twenty-eight real quick because I don't want to misstate who these people are. in Acts chapter 28 um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter of course but let me find what I'm looking at uh, let's start in verse 27 it says for the heart of this people is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them but uh, is, be it known, therefore, he's talking to the Jewish uh, leaders. Um, I can't find where he he invited them to come to his house. But anyway, verse 28, be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he said this, these words, the Jews departed, so the Jews, the leaders, the leadership of the Jews, and had great reasoning among themselves, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came unto in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching these things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So earlier in chapter 28, it also speaks of, um, of him uh, telling the Jewish, telling people, this is why I'm here. And they're like, well, we didn't get a letter or anything. We don't know why you're here. Um, but he turned that into, okay, here's a a motivation. Uh, You need to know the gospel. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. Um, And uh, so this is why I'm here, so that the gospel would go forward. So, um, as his situation became widely known, so too did the reason for his imprisonment. And then in verses 14 to 17, we have Paul's bonds motivated bold preaching. Now, this is an interesting passage right here, verses 14 to 17. Uh, Verse 14, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak. And then he says, there's two groups of people here in verses 15 and 16 and 17. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. So there's somebody preaching of envy and strife and somebody is preaching for goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. And that's the intent for their preaching. Uh, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And so Paul Paul also had another bond that was forged in his time in prison, uh, this other bond, which is his empowering passion to declare and to defend the gospel. One of the things that Paul was constantly always looking for was making sure that the gospel went forth boldly and accurately. And we need to do the same thing. We need to make sure that the word of God is preached boldly and accurately, and consistently? Uh, because if it's not, then what's the point of preaching? So it's got to be accurate. It's gotta, and we have to we have to empower a passion in our life that makes that happen. And Paul needed, or should I say, rather, Paul preferred his bonds to be the motivation for the proclamation of the gospel and the saints. His motivation uh, for the proclamation of the gospel. And so his bond to the gospel was his life expressed in the boldness he lived out in declaring the gospel. In Ephesians, uh, in chapter 6 in Ephesians, verse 19, Paul writes this, he says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So what Paul's desire was, was to take what would be called a mystery, and at one time it was a mystery of the gospel, uh, It's one of the, the seven mysteries of the, of the New Testament, uh, and and he wanted to make it known. He wanted to make that uh, make people aware of that. So he refused. Paul refused to allow. Um, he refused to allow the gospel to falter simply because he he was chained to a lost man. Paul would, Paul didn't care what his bond was. What his 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 binding was hold What how it was holding him. He didn't care about that. As long as uh, uh, he was able to preach the gospel. In fact, in this situation, he's waiting to preach to Caesar. Because he wants to preach to Caesar. So Paul was able to see his bond moving men to declare the gospel. Uh, we'll get back to Caesar here in, in a minute. He wanted people to be introduced to the gospel. So when they heard it, they would listen more readily. So just as he would tell people, hey, I'm here in the conversations in the palace and around the city of Rome. I was like, well, who's this guy, Paul? Why is he here? What's, why is he under a house arrest? Why, why, why is what's happening to him happening to him? And the answer is because of the gospel. Um, and so he wanted to, he wanted people to be introduced to the gospel so that when they heard the fullness of the gospel, they would be ready to listen more intently to the gospel uh, when it could be preached fully, you know, because sometimes you just all you have is you have just a little, you know, a little quick window that you can say, "Yeah, there was a guy named Jesus. He died. He rose again on the third day, and he took our sins up to the cross, and and through through that we have salvation." Uh, but maybe another time when you sit down with that person, now you have a dinner meal or something where you have the whole time to lay out the gospel. So sometimes it's just just seeding. And sometimes it's it's seeing the the seed take root, and so um, we read in verse fourteen that many brethren became so confident of Paul's testimony in bondage that they spoke without fear. That's a that's just an incredibly powerful statement. It says the brethren waxing confident, waxing uh, is is uh, so. There's two words. There's waxing and there's waning. That's kind of a a moon, uh, the moon cycles as, as it grows. It's it's waxing as it shrinks. It's waning, uh, and so waxing as it, their confidence grows, uh, their confidence waxes, conf- their, it grows because of his bonds, and they're much more bold to speak the word, the gospel, without fear. One of the things that hinders most people is they don't have enough confidence to speak without fear of the gospel. They're afraid that they're going to insult somebody. They're afraid that they're going to offend somebody, and so they they tiptoe around dropping seeds of the gospel and hope that the seeds will take place and then somebody will get saved. And just and that's fine. That happens a lot of times. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Um, but but why should we fear that? Why should we fear sharing the gospel? Just share the gospel. What's going to happen to you? Maybe you'll be bonded up in in jail for preaching the gospel, I don't know, that not in our country today, but but if you're in a mission situation and, and you get arrested, uh, you're in a, a Middle Eastern country, why you would be there, I don't know, but God has you there for a reason, and you begin to seed the gospel in the neighborhood you're in, and you get arrested, is that a terrible thing? Yeah, it is. But is it really a terrible thing? Maybe not, because you will be able to, through your bonds, through the bindings of, of the gospel, of you being arrested, you'd be able to share the gospel with somebody else that maybe never hear the gospel uh, without you in that situation. Okay. So, um, so they were confident and they spoke without fear much more than just having a confidence. Verse 15 goes on and it says, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. And so um, we read that some saints preach, some saints preach out of a goodwill and some, in verse 17, they preach out of the love for Paul to encourage him of their own passion. Um, but verse 14, uh, they preach to try to... Uh, I think I got my verses in, in uh, out of order here, but this, let's just look at this again. Many brethren in the Lord waxing confident, verse 14, much more bold. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some of goodwill. So there's, a two, there's two groups. And then in verse 17... Um, the, the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Okay, so so what's what's it going to take for us to be confident enough to declare the truth of God's word to further the gospel based on the life testimony of another saint? Um, it's one thing for you to have confidence in your own ability to share the gospel. And there's a lot of evangelist guys, people that we know who are gifted evangelists, and sometimes they take their own confidence uh, a, little bit, a little bit too literally. They don't take their... But we we can take their confidence and make it our confidence, and just, and try to try to follow them, uh, is, is what is what I think is happening here. So so now, true some preach the gospel with some sort of hostility or falsehood. That's what verse uh, fourteen talks about or fifteen, uh, the envy and strife here. Uh, so there's this there's a hostility or a falsehood. They have ulterior motives which could be um which could have only have been and this is this is what i think they're really trying to do these these ones that are preaching falsely is they're trying to sway Caesar's ruling of Paul's appeal so think about that he came to Rome specifically to appeal to Caesar about his imprisonment uh, in Caesarea and the things and the fact that people were trying to kill him or wanted him executed and so he appealed to Caesar uh, in um, verse 20, chapter 25 of the book of Acts, verse 11, uh, it says, "For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal to Caesar." So there were people that wanted to kill him. They just wanted to kill him under false pretenses. And so the false accusers in, Jer- in Jerusalem and in wanted Paul executed. Uh, so this is probably what's going on in Rome. Um, now, did Paul ever get to speak to, to Caesar? You know, it's actually not documented in the book of Acts that he met with Caesar. But we do know that Jesus, that God, on on the road to Damascus, when Paul got saved, in Acts chapter 19, 9, verse 15, it did Jesus, or God did say, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So, we do know uh, that some of Caesar's household heard the gospel message and they got saved because he says in Philippians chapter four verse twenty-two, "All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household." So, I don't know. Maybe Caesar's kids got saved. Uh, maybe his nephews. I don't. I don't know who, but somebody in Caesar's household got saved, and now he's calling them the saints there as well. So, so, um, so these, these, um, these preachers of the gospel that were preaching envy and strife. I think that they were trying to uh, limit the ability of Paul to influence Caesar and get Caesar to uh, maybe not even meet with him. And we don't know if he ever did meet with him or not, it doesn't say. And so we know he preached, and we know that every soldier, every guard heard the message, yet we do not know if if, if, uh, if any of them ever got saved, but we do know that the message was spoken daily um, uh, um, by Paul, uh, as often as he could. And then we get in verses 18 to 20. Uh, and I love this phrase in, in verse 18. It says, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ, of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Okay, so Christ is preached. That is the goal that has been the goal from the beginning. You know, What are we doing to further the gospel message? So the subject of any good preaching, when you get right down to it, the subject of any good preaching must be the king. He, the king has to be the center of all preaching because he's the center of all life and living. So verse 18, what does it look like to preach Christ? How do, how do you go about preaching Christ? I'll give you a couple of really broad um, things to, to, to know that you're preaching Christ. Number one, to preach Christ is to proclaim truth. Uh, so so um, we know that, that Jesus Christ said, um, that God's word is truth. Uh, so we had to preach truth. Uh, number two, to preach Christ is to preach or to proclaim truth about Christ. So if you're going to preach Christ, preach truth, but preach the truth about Christ. And there's two things that made Paul rejoice in the preaching of Christ. Number one was in verse 19. And that message had an impact on the souls of men to salvation. The message brought people to salvation. That's what he's saying in verse 19. And in verse 20, he says, it would turn to the glory, what, what motivated him, what he rejoiced in, was that the preaching would turn to the glory of Christ, which was Paul's clear expectation, and the hope is that Christ be magnified in the world, regardless of what happened to Paul, regardless of what happened to you, or to me, or to anybody else. Is Christ being preached? Is he the center of our messages? You know, too many times, preachers They like to tell stories, and everybody's that way. We tell a story, and sometimes the story is an illustration. Uh, Sometimes the story is is just a way to amplify what the teaching is. But sometimes preachers just, that's all they do is tell stories. I remember one before I ever got saved. uh, That just seems like that's all I ever heard was the preacher telling stories. I will never forget the story that I heard. It was a Christmas story, and this guy couldn't even remember the names of his own brothers. Uh, that was a Methodist preacher that we went to, in in uh, out in Fort Riley, is that Fort Riley, Fort Riley, Kansas, and I was like, Oh, "You got to be kidding me!" And I had only been saved a very short amount of time. And I'm like, "Let me preach. I will preach the truth." I didn't know how to preach, but I would. I knew that what he was saying didn't make any sense. Uh, anyway, I'll never forget that. I'd like to tell that story. Okay, so um, as far as Paul was concerned, as long as the name of Christ was proclaimed. He was not disappointed in who was preaching. Now that sounds a little strange because we got these guys who were preaching uh, in verse 15 uh, of envy and strife. Um, but he wasn't concerned about who was preaching. He was concerned about what they were preaching. So as long as the name of Christ was proclaimed, he was not disappointed in who was preaching or why they were preaching. The name of Christ is where salvation resides. Uh, I, I just get excited when when uh, we have an opportunity to let a young uh, a young Christian preach first time or do a devotion for the first time. They struggle, they're fearful, they 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 trip over their words. But man, what an awesome, incredible thing! But Paul, uh, he probably remembers what it says in Acts chapter four, verse twelve: Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. So as long as Jesus Christ is being preached, he's happy. He's content. Paul's message was not being attacked. When you think about his his message was the gospel. And in those verses, those those preachers in verse 15, they're not attacking his message. That they're not attacking his message. Um these guys were preaching Christ. That's what it says, right? They were preaching Christ. And uh and Paul Paul was fine with that. Um what was what was concerning was why they were pre why they preached not what they why they preached but not what they preached. So look at verses 15, 16, and eighteen for just a minute, because you'll notice uh, it says in verse fifteen that that some indeed preach Christ, and uh, so some indeed preach Christ. In verse sixteen, it says the one preached Christ, and then of course in verse eighteen, it says that Christ is preached. So. Uh, in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ. In verse 16, one preached Christ. But in verse 18 he summarizes it, but everybody's preaching Christ. And that's the important thing. We need to be like that. We need to preach Christ. And that's how Paul saw this. And we should take note that as long as the gospel is preached, we don't really have too much to worry about. If the gospel is being preached, if the name of Jesus Christ is the central point of the message, even if, even if the preacher's intentions are trying to harm a believer, which is the um, this is what's going on in verse 15, envy and strife uh, to probably as I said earlier, to infect the way that Paul be able to speak to Caesar. so but this is how Paul saw this. he saw that they were preaching Christ, and we should take note that as long as the gospel is preached, we don't really have them too much to worry about. They were not proclaiming another gospel. Uh, the way the Galatians or the Corinthians had received a false message. Remember in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4, it says, For if he that becometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So there's no difference in the messaging, but there was a big difference in the motive of their messaging. So if we go back in verse fifteen, they were envious, which meant they were jealous over Paul's influence of the palace. They wanted the same kind of influence that Paul had. I mean, Paul's a—he's a new guy in town, and he's in jail, and he has influence, and that bothered people. Paul said that he was jealous when he thinks talks about being jealous. He was jealous over the Corinthian church because he loved them and he feared that they were in danger of being seduced from the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, he said. In, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. I just looked, I don't know, i have got a bunch of text messages. I don't know if that's for this or not. Anyway, um, we're almost done. But let me just, let me kind of get close to wrapping up here. So the preachers of verses 15 and 16 they were not hopeful of protecting Paul, they wanted to him they wanted him stopped. Though so in verses nineteen to twenty we have prayer, spirit, expectation and hope, the final the final things that Paul um, looked at, and so he was not seeking his salvation or even his freedom. Instead he was content to receive what would come in his life regardless of it, whether it's death or life. And he rejoiced in verse eighteen at whatever would befall him by the preaching of others. He rejoiced because he knew that others um, were in prayer for him and they cared for him. 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. That's an awesome prayer. And we should all, all pray that, that the word of God, that the preaching of the, the preaching of the gospel would have free course and be glorified. And so he, he also relied on the supply of the Spirit uh, through prayer. And one thing that many saints fail to do is to give Christ first place in their life so he did that he was that was where he was focused at in fact in verse 20 it says according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it is by life or by death and so one thing that many saints fail to do is to give Christ first place in their life they don't they don't put Christ in 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 the primary position I think the word in the Bible is preeminence. He, Jesus Christ needs to be preeminent in your life. And so let me wrap this up here because we're out of time. So it's important that we seek to form a bond with Christ, as Paul has done using this as his example. And Paul has given the saints, you and I, much to think about just in the first 20 verses of chapter 1 as we purpose to further the gospel. And so it's my prayer that every one of us would examine our life how how am I bound to Christ? How am I bound to the gospel? And how is my bondage to those propelling the gospel? So we gain confidence from the bonds of others, uh, which is good. But are we also an encouragement for others as well? We should find joy in the preaching of Christ, regardless of who's preaching it, because of the message of Christ. So that's that. Um, that's the uh, passage that we we're looking at, verses twelve to twenty. Uh, next week we'll finish chapter one. And, uh, next week on May 10th, we will be on at six o'clock at night, six in the evening. Uh, Brian, Pastor Brian will suspend Sunday night services so that all the Bible fellowships will be able to do that at six o'clock. I don't know how many weeks we'll do it like this. I don't know. We don't know anything. We just know that we have a plan and everything could just go different than our plan. That's what happens with plans. Um, so anyway, let's pray. We'll be dismissed. And uh, if there's any word that needs to be uh, getting out uh, for next Sunday, I'll let you know. Um, so Brian is on at 1030 uh, streaming. So let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the example of Paul and the bondage that he endured uh, for us to be encouraged. And we ask, Father, that you would use us according to your will. Help us to put the, the gospel center in our lives put Jesus Christ in the center of our life. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I hope this worked. I don't think we had any stalling issues or anything. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to end the live video. Y'all, love y'all. I wish I could see you. Um, be praying for each other and reach out to everybody in the class. Just give everybody a call. Just Or send everybody a text, something. Just let everybody know that you're thinking about them. Love you guys.